One thing is abundantly clear on this Wednesday in May, the NFL hates the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll tell you why today on Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, friends and neighbors. I don't want to trigger anybody, but we got to get into this topic. It's going to be fun today. I'm joined by Matt Derrick from ChiefsDigest.com, our man on the beat. We have a lot for you. Thanks for making us your first listen. Now check out another Locked On show for your next listen. Every major sport and team is represented here on the network, so check them out. We are free on every platform, starting with YouTube and echoing out through the sphere of audio platforms. So please make it easy on yourselves. Like, sub, and hit the bell here on YouTube and join the audio podcast as well. We have a lot to go over. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, NFL33.com, where you can see all my post-draft grades, our whole staff, as well as looking forward in team building here as we enter the OTA stretch, as well as you can see some film and a lot of other things, Chiefs-related and rgrfootball.com. Matt, a lot of fun here. Topic of the day is something that a friend pointed out to me that I just, I'm going to throw on the screen real quickly just to get your initial reaction because I find it really, really interesting. Thank you to Warren Sharp, who's been doing all of this research and found that when you look at the schedule for 2023, the Chiefs are a team playing at a disadvantage in terms of how much rest they've had for that contest in six straight games and for a total the fourth most quote-unquote penalized team in the league. I think this is proof that Roger Goodell and the entire front office hates the Kansas City Chiefs now. Am I wrong? <laughs> oh, you just have to find those conspiracy theories, don't you, Ryan? I know. you. Where's your tinfoil hat? I mean, I need to see oh, it right somewhere. now. <sighs> you know, I will, I, will, I, will, I will probably take the, the alternative view, which is that the NFL does not hate the Chiefs. In fact, I think the NFL loves the Chiefs because – by evidence the fact that they're on every single week by themselves for the most part and in every single window and every single primetime game you could possibly do and i i think that tony romo and jim nance will be the official broadcast you know crew of the kansas city chiefs this year um but warren i mean it's a valid question and i mean a valid argument and it's something that we've always talked about anecdotally but i'm not i'm still not sure that anybody has really put together a compelling case about what rest means and specific situations and you know against specific opponents i mean i can see it making a big difference if you and we we feel like it absolutely makes a difference i mean you look at coaches and their records and we've always talked about andy reed and you giving him the bye week and the huge advantage he has well it could just be in the long term that that's just noise <laughs> maybe if andy reed coach for 50 years is going to have the exact same record in a bye week that he would every other week um, but I mean, to us, at least it feels like it. And I don't know if there has been enough, you know, serious research in it to say, okay, well, playoff teams, when they're at a deficit of rest, have such and such a record, and, you know, non-playoff teams. That's kind of information that I really need to know to know how much this matters because, you know, to me, six days of, you know, rest, uh, taking on a 500 team when maybe you're, uh, you know, a deficit of three days rest against the three and 14 team, to- totally different things. I mean, I'm not sure it matters. I mean, there's some teams in the league. I think Andy Reid could probably play them on no days rest and he'd yeah. still be the favorite. So it depends on the opponent. Now, the one thing about Warren's points here that would raise some concern for me is he's talking about the deficit in weeks 12 through 17 and weeks 12 through 17 are the chiefs toughest part of the schedule anyway. Yes. So that would be the concern to me. But at the same time, I'm looking at that, and, and there's still at least a handful of games that I don't think it's going to matter. 
And there's a few other games that I think you can just even toss it out. I mean, you know, I don't think when the, the Bills and the Chiefs and the Bengals and Chiefs get together, rest is going to decide that game. I mean, I think it's going to be players. And I think it's going to be coaching staffs that determine that game. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. It is a week-to-week matchup situation completely built on, honestly, what quarterback's playing for that team, even if you are at a rest des- disadvantage, do you really have to defend as much if you know their starter is out or something like that? But I will say this. One caveat is that the Chiefs' uh, Week 18 game is not determined yet, so they could find themselves at another disadvantage. They could also end up in an advantage. But it's, for me, the totality. And like you said, Weeks 12 through 17 are critical to this season. They generally are down the stretch. But I'm going to switch this back. For everybody who's listening, uh, go check out the YouTube channel again because I want to show this uh, on the visual so you can get this as well because I think this is also telling. When we take a look at just how many that is. It's not just total days because we know the Chiefs are traveling to Germany. Obviously, they have the bye week, and there's a couple of Thursday night games where they're going to likely be at a disadvantage after it. But when you take a look at it, it's it's those six games. They only have the advantage on the other side in two, and that's pretty low. It's not the lowest, but when you look at other teams here, other playoff teams in particular like San Francisco, um, Philadelphia, where there's a little bit more on the positive side uh, for other teams. Those three teams in particular, playoff contenders, are all at a disadvantage, not just in total, but in how many games they have the advantage as well in terms of their rest. I think that might have a cumulative effect that does mean something. It could very well. And, and you know, and once again, I mean, you go to when the rest is specifically, I think is a big deal as well. Um, because I, I mean, I've always felt like, hey, early bye weeks hurt teams. I mean, I don't think that that's an advantage. I think the later your bye week, the better off you are. I mean, I think that's a huge advantage. And I think we've seen the Chiefs take advantage of that several times by having late bye weeks. Um, week 10 bye week isn't the greatest, not the worst. I mean, it's kind of right smack dab in the middle, but um, anything in November, I'm going to take as a bye week. And that's what the Chiefs got. So, and some of the, you know, rest advantage and disadvantage is, you know, even late in the season there is still, you know, minuscule. I mean, some of it's caused by Monday night football games. Um, mm-hmm. The Chiefs will be playing, you know, the turnaround will be this, you know, one day less of rest. But, you know, I, I probably need to look at a couple of those situations. I think it may be because like a team's coming off a Thursday and then playing a Monday game against the Chiefs. Well, the Chiefs actually have an extra day of rest themselves. So does the Thursday to Monday rest period make a big difference when maybe the Chiefs have a Sunday to a Monday rest period and they're already getting an extra day of their own? Um I mean, that's hard, I think, to quantify. I mean, some of these individual stretches are a little bit dif- more difficult to figure out. But, and I think it also matters to matter about how teams are prepared to, to deal with them. And be, because based mm-hmm. on just how many how times they've dealt with in the past, Chiefs deal with this every single year right now. And I don't think there's any doubt, you know, when this, when this franchise really started cooking, you know, and getting there, you know, in the late part of the Alex Smith era and the beginning part of Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I do think that they they struggled with dealing with irregular schedules and, you know, sometimes having a little bit less rest or not being on consistent schedules. I don't think that affects them the same way that it did. I mean, I think that the core group of this veteran class has dealt with that enough now that it doesn't really matter if they're playing on a four-day rest or eight-day rest or 13-day rest as they're going to get at one point this year. Uh, I don't think that really matters, you know. So to me... I, I think it's a case-by-case basis. I mean, maybe we'll have a body of, of work and research and academic work that will eventually say, no, 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 this is a big deal. And the NFL needs to look at it more carefully. Um, but I, I don't I don't think that this is automatically just going to all of a sudden be, be what turns this into an 11-6 and six football team. 
I, I agree. And, and I like what you said there about how do you adapt to it? There's more adapt, adaptation that's gone on, not just from the players, but how the season evolves by the coaching staff. That we have to look at right after this, a message from our friends over at Built. I know you're like me and looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories that you don't need. There's one thing that you can try right now, and that's the best tasting protein bar ever, and it's from Built. you got to try these. I know that you might want something healthier just like I do, but you don't want to compromise on taste either. That's a big deal, especially when you're trying to get through your day. These bars are healthy, and they're amazing tasting. They go easy with anything that you're on the go, whether it's having it with your coffee in the morning, uh, a midnight snack, <laughs> maybe even fulfilling your, your lunch obligations you can't take care of. They're super simple. They're all covered in 100% dark chocolate. They have crazy flavors like churro and peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream. I like the toffee almond myself. You can usually see me down in one of those. They're unbelievable, and they help it all come together with all their macros. They're super simple in everything but taste. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. They're everything that you want. They are Built Bars. You can get them at Sam's Club. You can get them online. Right now, go check them out at Built.com. So maybe Built Bars would help the team recover and, and get their rest back. But there's other things that you can do to help that. And I do think, like you were talking about before, you've seen the evolution that we have noticed in Kansas City versus maybe older years. We hear a lot about how difficult Andy Reid's camps are. And I think we need to make a delineation here because I think camp, maybe for Reid's teams, plays more of a role in setting up the tone of the season than probably 31 other coaches in this league. And I think that's by design so that he has the ability, say when they're coming off in a, at a, a definite disadvantage of four extra days, or they have that bye week where they're not playing someone coming off of a bye week. I think he's shown in recent years the ability to let off the gas a little bit in the week-to-week -week practicing and the way that he goes about it. Do you see an evolution of what Andy Reid's been doing during the season? Oh, absolutely. And and I mean, I've seen the evolution during training camp as well. I mean, this is going to be my eighth season covering the team. And I remember, you know, that first year in 16, you know, looking at training camp, you had afternoon practices, a couple of them, you know, first practice was usually used to always be in the afternoon. Uh, and they usually have a couple of others. I mean, at one time, I think early in the Andy Reid regime, they'd even do some nighttime practices, um, which in St. Joe is still pretty warm. It's a warmer, you know, for a seven o'clock mm -hmm. practice at night than it is for a eight o'clock practice in the morning in St. Joe. So, you know, they would do some of those things and, you know, and the practices, frankly, right these days in St. Joe are shorter than they were eight years ago. Um, they're, uh, to me, it, he's traded off physicality for intensity. He wants those practices to be paced within an inch of their lives so that the players always have something to do. There is no standing around at an Andy Reid training camp practice. And I've seen enough training camp practice videos from other organizations to know that there's a lot of times when offense is doing something nobody else is and defense doing something nobody else is. Andy Reid practice, there is something going on for everybody pretty much at all times. And it's all about trying to get in as many practice, many places as they can in a short period of time and take advantage of what they have and make it productive. And that's where I think Andy Reid is, is just uh, huge against, against a lot of his competitors because I don't think they're as organized as he is. Hey, and we'll talk about the in-season adjustments later because you're you're on to, the, I think, the biggest key in it. It's that he's got this reputation for having – difficult camps but i don't think that necessarily means the physicality part the wearing down other than the fact 
that it for me is number one thing is about the pace and getting as many reps in in different situations as possible. We know the installs are long on the offensive side. We know that the defense has a lot of variability that it can go to. So install phase starts a little bit slow, but I feel like OTAs kind of grab some of that, and they're able to get up to speed a little bit quicker than teams because they go through so many reps each day, particularly in camp. That's a trade-off. And do you think, obviously, with three Super Bowl appearances in the last four years, you have to feel like that trade-off is working, giving pace and, and timing the preference over the physicality portion. Well, and a great example of this is that, you know, we used to talk about long drive day, which at, at Chiefs practice, which meant that, you know, you're talking about the first team offense and first team defense were usually like banging at each other for about 20 plays. And, you know, Andy Reid really doesn't really do long drive day anymore. He does multiple ones. They're not as long. I mean, he's not mm -hmm. doing 20 play days anymore, you know, where they're going at each other, but they'll have a stretch of three practices and maybe four or five days where they're doing like 16 or 17 plays against each other. And it's about building that capacity. And what he's telling these guys and what he's doing when he's coaching them is saying, look, the reason why you're doing this is that you're going to get to a point in, De in December where we're going to need a 15-play drive to win a game. And I want you guys to be able to think this is a piece of cake because we did an, a 17-play drive in 92-degree heat in St. Joe in the middle of July. So doing a 15-play drive in December in Arrowhead is a piece of cake. So that's what he's trying to do. And he's, he's always telling the players, you know, we're doing these things. And, and the things that we do in St. Joe, it's all about banking it for later. And it's all about, and to me, it's about building capacity. It's about building up what you can do. I mean, it's no different than you're training your body, you know, as, as a runner. I mean, you're trying to build yourself to the point where you can handle that workload later on. And that's what it's about. It's, I mean, it's a physical and a mental aspect to it. But that's what he's trying to instill so that later on in the season, they know that they can do it. They've done it before, and it's not going to surprise them. It's funny. We're going to have to have a longer discussion about that because that's exactly what I used to do when I trained athletes for this league and to build the capacity for them to repeat what they have to repeat. It's a very similar concept. Obviously, from a coach to a player, it's a different process. But the same concept goes that you're feeding the beast that is the roster rather than just the athlete. But that's that's a tightrope you have to balance. So what we need to look at, too, is how does this affect what goes on during the weeks in each season? We'll do that on the backside of this. So, Matt, I'm going to bring it back around because I love this concept. And tying in with what camp does, I think OTAs lets you uh, have that teaching time and a little exploration. I think we've seen that more in this year. And I expect OTAs this year to be a lot of, of exploration, particularly with the tackles and the rookie class coming in where they fit, how much they can learn. I think it's testing at that point. Do you see OTAs the same way? Yeah, I really, I really do. I mean, you know, it, one, I mean, remember, uh, OTAs are voluntary. So we're going to see, a, you know, who shows up. I mean, I would expect her to be pretty close to a full house, but there will be some guys with, you know, personal decisions about not being there, family reasons, all those things. Um, sometimes guys just aren't ready to practice yet and needs a little time to recoup. Uh, sometimes, I mean, let's face it, you guys will be in some business situations or contractual situations, and maybe their representation is going to encourage them not to be there. 
no speculation here, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But you know, you deal, you're, you, as a coach, you, you know, coaching staff, you deal with that. I mean, you deal with who's there, you coach who's there. Um, but it's also about a little bit of figuring out what you have. I mean, you know, it used to be that a lot of camp battles were decided in camp. And I tell you what, to me, increasingly, I think camp battles for the chiefs, especially 85, 90% of them are decided in, in, in May and June rather than in July and August. Um, because even though you're not, you don't have the physical work, even though you don't have that, you've got the fundamentals. I mean, you've got the, the bulk of the work, you know, the, everything except for the contact and the hitting with helmets and pads, you got everything else there. And, and the coaches, you know, they, they can draw enough from that. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're, case for winning a, a roster spot or winning a position battle is based purely on having pads on you've lost the battle i mean that's yeah. kind of the way it is in today's nfl they don't have as much practice time as they used to so you really can't waste any time so you know i, I mean i think increasingly we have really seen a lot of situations where there's not a lot of positions up for grabs in training camp because OTAs are where they're decided and they do it by mixing and matching. And we're going to see a lot of that. I imagine this year, especially along the offensive line, sure. They'll move some guys around. I mean, even though the, the chiefs have in their mind, what they think is their five best offensive linemen, they're still going to move some guys around and test them out. Receiver is going to be another one of those positions where absolutely they, they move some guys defensive line, uh, even, even secondary. I mean, I think you'll see some rotations and mixing and matching also just to see, you know, which combinations seem to work the best. They'll do plenty of that when they get to training camp, but a lot of that gets and more and more. It seems like it's decided in OTAs. Yeah. There's, there's plenty that you can experiment with there and it sets you up. If you get, if you build that capacity early and you've established who's going to be in those roles, then it becomes about management. And we, when we get to the season, this is a very interesting season with a, a lot of late starts. First, do you think a late start on game day helps this particular roster of some veterans that are, are pretty far down the line, but a lot of young guys as well? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, and once again, I mean, I go back to the bulk of this roster. I mean, even some of the young guys already with one year under their belt have experience with non-traditional scheduling. I mean, they're kind of used to it. I mean, they're used to the, the Chiefs playing, you know, primetime games and they're used to things getting moved around and flexed and all these things. So nothing really surprises this team. I mean, I remember you know, once again, I mean, just going back even to my eight years on the beat wasn't that long ago that getting flex was a big deal and moving around and new time slots. I mean, it was a big deal. And now this team just doesn't care. I mean, they are literally of the, just let us know what time we play and we'll show up. I mean, it's, it's, that's no longer the, the, I think the distraction that it used to be. And I think that plays into in particular for Andy Reed, who, who I think is one of the coaches that players not only like because he lets them be them and encourages them to show who they are, but he also, I feel, is pretty in tune with how the team is feeling as well. And so we see him back off. We see him throw in the 10-10-10 practices, and you can remind everybody what that means, but that's a way to let off the volume. Uh, still work through your pacing and keep the intensity there in terms of play call to play call to play call, but it's not the the physically draining type practice. And I think sprinkling those in during the season has, has helped in the past, and I think will help and be important this year. Yeah, and that's, I mean, from the big picture view, that's the other thing is that we talk about Andy Reid being a creature of habit and, you know, not making a lot of changes. But I tell you what, I mean, we talked about the changes that he's made in training camp over the years and his in-season practices have changed dramatically too in even just the last eight years. Um, you know, I remember back in even 16 and 17, 
there was no such thing as a as a late light late season practice. I mean, the one thing that you started to get was because they had some veterans on that team. And so late in the year, you know, the Tom Bahalis and the Justin Houstons, you know, maybe wouldn't practice on certain days, you know. Tama didn't practice indoors because it was too hard on his knees. Um, sometimes those guys, you know, the veterans wouldn't practice on a Friday, you know, or a Thursday because, you know, it was just like letting it give a little bit of rest and everything. Well, then I think Andy kind of figured out, you know what? The veterans aren't the only guys that sometimes need to have the reins let off a little bit. And so then he started what, you know, this, this what I call the December practices. Because once they got to December, all of a sudden Wednesday became a really light day, you know. Usually Wednesday was you know, a decent day. I mean, close to a Thursday practice, which Thursday is typically the most intense practice of the week. Um, but Wednesdays were right there. And then it got to, well, Wednesdays, we're going to do the 10, 10, 10. For, for those who don't know, 10, 10, 10 practices are about an hour and a half long. It's 10 plays for the first team offense. It's 10 plays for the first team defense and 10, basically 10 minutes of special teams. And you do two and a half cycles of that. Usually don't do the last period of special teams. Um, but you do that. So basically the offense and defense get not 30 plays each and you get 20 minutes of special teams practice. And yeah, I mean, those are really about refining your game plan. It's taking the stuff that you're working on and, you know, executing it on the field and getting ready to put in that week's game plan. And they are, they're designed to be lighter, you know, little workouts and everything that, you know, kind of breather just before, you know, a game. I mean, that's typically a 10, 10, 10 is what the Chiefs run through every Friday. Well, then they started doing it on a Wednesday and then it became not just December, but November. And I, you know, last year was even in October that Andy started going to the 10, 10, 10 practices on Wednesday uh, because, you know, yeah, I mean, the, the season beats these guys up. And this year, you know, he once again, I mean, with the Chiefs not doing the, the first phase of, of offseason workouts in person, you know, his reasoning for this year is that hey, these guys have had long seasons. They need two more weeks to recover their bodies a little bit. So I think you're just going to continue to see him do that. And that's one another reason why we circle back to rest and, you know, what does it mean and is it significant? Because there's a lot of different ways you can get rest. And one way is not practicing as hard, practicing differently. You know, once again, going back to that intensity, but maybe not physical. Yeah, I, I like that pacing versus physicality that's that's what it comes down to keep keep your capacity up as you tail off and get into the playoff season i know everybody likes to take it easy on week 18 i don't know if that's going to happen this year against the chargers we'll find out but those are ways to taper your season get ready for the playoff run which we all expect the chiefs should be right in the thick of yet again let's hope they don't get on a uh, uh a wild card weekend where they're only available on one streaming service we'll complain and cover that here in a show to come folks Look for that sum on on Friday. Uh, tomorrow we're talking running backs, what this room's going to evolve to, and how do you use it to its best capability, given the people that are in it. We'll get to that tomorrow, Matt. Thanks for all your time and your insight today. Always a pleasure hanging out with you, Ryan. Take care, buddy. Folks, you have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.